this show is an incredible show and I see it influencing the world around us. And thank you so much, Brian, for all that you do for the kingdom. Hey there, welcome to the podcast today. We have Adam Carver with us, a special guest, a pastor from Shipley, England, in the north of England. You have no problem or challenge that creativity cannot potentially solve. We are created in God's image. Satan hates the image of God in the earth. That's okay. We love the image of God in us, in others. Humanity has been created in God's image. And for Christ followers who are waking up, we are questing to live now in the light and the life of that day when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. This is a super promise in the Word of God. Everyone has creative capacity. We'll talk about it today. We just have to be disciplined with pixels. Okay, what do I mean by that? Our screen time, our phones, our television, our computer screens, if we can be disciplined with pixels and use pixels as an asset instead of allowing it to be a liability in our lives, we will quiet down and have the time to hear from God, to be super creative, and to express that creativity. And we're going to put it out there. We're going to go there, yes. Heavenly prayer languages release creativity in our lives. This is Brian Del Turco. Thank you for connecting with me today on Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode 153. I encourage you to explore Manifold Ministries, founded by Stephen Lauterbach, a guild of content creators. You can check it out at manifoldministries.com. This podcast is heard there now as well as on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and all the usual suspects, okay? You can also hear the podcast on jesussmart.com with a full-blown show notes page. You can stream it there, and there's notes and other resources and links typically for each episode. Would you consider going to podchaser.com and searching for Jesus Smart and rating and leaving a quality review there. We would appreciate it. This helps people to find the podcast. Hey, some recent episodes you may be interested in. The last one, episode 152, it was a Godspeed episode, tight and punchy. We live by perfect pitch, that is sound and not by sight. Also, episode 150, hey, overcomer, you can consecrate your new frontiers and optimize new horizons. Well, you and I are designed for super creativity. Adam Carver is a pastor in Shipley, England. He's a deep thinker. He's all about seeing God's people locate their space in the marketplace of everything, business, just life itself, going out to eat, (laughs) engaging your community, education, arts and entertainment, whatever it may be. He's all about seeing God's people potentialize, becoming highly functional in those spaces. Here's my conversation with Adam Carver. I am so glad today to be able to talk with Adam Carver from Shipley, England. Adam, thank you for carving out some time today. I really appreciate it, and I'm really excited about the topic we're going to touch on today. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk. Oh, of course. My, My honor. And Adam is married to Faye. They have four children. 
They're pastors of Christian Life Church in Shipley, England, and they also own and run an indoor soft play business out of the church building, and their heart is to see people restored and to see their true authentic selves emerge and then be released to restore others. I love that that kind of a life mission there. It's wonderful. I was watching Adam online. Uh, I have a relationship with this church, uh, a personal history, and I was watching some of his messages that he was preaching recently about creativity and about the prophetic and about bringing order out of chaos. And I was really captivated by it, reached out to him. I'm so glad he's willing to share on some of these themes. So, um, Adam, what what motivated or what was the impetus uh, for this recent series on um, creativity? And you're saying that every person is creative, not just some. What uh, what motivated this? Yeah, well, I mean, it was actually lockdown that, that motivated. Some of your American listeners may not be aware, but in England, uh, we've been uh, locked down since since March, and uh, we were not able to meet in person in churches at all till about June. And even then, when we came back in June, we were not, uh, we had to be socially distant and masks and extra ventilation. But also, uh, the government at that time strongly recommended that we don't sing. Um, but we hmm. wanted to meet together. And um, of course, what do you do in a church service if you can't sing together? Um, or you strongly recommend it. And sure. uh, we, I'd also felt personally a, um, a move of God in me in terms of just developing the prophetic. So I was trying to teach the church that that each of us is deeply creative, as I understood creativity to be, and, and deeply prophetic. And it was part of this move to just releasing people to flow in a more prophetic realm um, and enable them to share in our church times together what they felt God was saying, whether that be a scripture, a picture, a song, a word, what, whatever it might be. So that in one sense, lockdown is, has been hard for everybody all over the world, although it's been harder for others in, in less uh, developed countries like ours. Um, but for me, it's been an incredible opportunity to just delve deeper into God and, and find some things that perhaps I've not found before and go deeper into some things. So that was the that was the the motivation for it. Okay, yeah. Do you do you feel that uh, we won't go into the discussion of like how this started necessarily, or what was the source of this, or the motivation, or or you know, is this God? Is this the devil? But I think we could say that Jesus has streamed himself into the mix and he's turning over some tables right now. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, my, my personal view is that um, you know, if it's uh, if it's good, it comes from God, and if it's not, it doesn't. Um, that's my because to me, God is good. Um, I realize that many people would see it differently, and that's okay. Uh, but for me, that's how I see it. Um, so um, I certainly don't believe this is any judgment from God, uh, but I believe that God works in it, as you rightly say, and I uh, I believe that. God is looking for an opportunity to move all the time, and he will use anything he can to get our attention and to bring his kingdom to the face of the earth. And, and all it needs really is a few people to listen. And um, I suppose one of the things I learned was to listen more. Lockdown, you know, I, I, my business was closed for six months. I didn't have to run that. So I had a bit more time. Mm, and I sure. uh, I managed to use that time. You know, I couldn't go to anybody's house. I, I, there was lots that I couldn't do. What I could do was come down to the church building and pray. And, uh, and I spent a lot more time doing that. And in the midst of that, heard a lot of stuff and, and, and yeah, found some of this stuff for myself first to then share it with a wider audience. Mm. So this really could be a creative season. It should be a creative season where we come out yes. with like outcomes and new initiatives in our personal lives, in, mm. our, in our experience together with the body of Christ, the community of faith. 
Um, I mean, it is an event when God's people gather together. I've recently been been doing some study on ecclesia, the concept mm-hmm. of that, that Greco-Roman concept that Jesus sort of co-opted, and he said, I will build my ecclesia. And I discovered that the Romans believed that when a small group of Roman citizens gathered together, that the presence and power of the Roman emperor was with them. And um, it seems to be against this backdrop that Jesus said, when two or three gather in my name, I am there in the midst. And it's it's an authority. sounds exactly like. Yeah. Go on. Well, it's an authoritative event, you know, spiritually. And this is why the enemy resists it, you know, says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Yeah, I mean, it sounds exactly like a sort of subversive thing Jesus would say from my reading of him. Um, you know, that he, he often, it seems to me, took that which was uh, common and known and turned it around and went, well, you think this is where the authority is, but actually yes. this is where the authority is. That's right. And um, I, I love that subversive nature about about Jesus. I, I just think he's incredible. <laughs> yeah, John, John, John Eldridge has a beautiful book. I haven't read it yet, but what a beautiful title. It's called Beautiful Outlaw. It's about Christ, you know. Yes, He's, I've read it. It's brilliant. Uh, oh, have you? Absolutely okay. Brilliant. Yeah, it's great. Uh, a while ago, but a while ago, yeah. It's we have brilliant. the yes, yeah, the yeah. subversive, the, the beautiful subversive nature of Jesus Christ as as the ultimate Caesar, if we could say that, or the ultimate emperor. Absolutely, yeah. The Lord, the ultimate ruler. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So now you're saying from Genesis one twenty six to twenty eight, you know, God makes us in his image and in his likeness. And part of that image is God's creative capacity, right? That he installs in us. And that's what it means to, in part, to express his image in the earth, where to be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, rule. Now, you're saying that every person has this creative capacity, especially in Christ, not just like musicians or artists, right? Yeah, I, I believe so. I think I think lots of us have fallen for the, and, and I think psychologically it is now a, 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 a myth that you know we're either left brained or right brained. So, Brain so, so psychologically, yeah. do you see that as a myth? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think I think some psychologists are actually starting to see it as a myth as well now. I think they're not quite convinced that that's true, and I, I don't think that's actually helpful to believe in that in Christ we have everything we need either. Uh, you know, I, I, un, under that uh, theory uh, about left brain dominance, I would be left brain dominant, logical, mathematical, uses <laughs> language well. Yeah, well, me you too. Can, you can decide for yourself whether I do that or not. Um, pragmatic, it, you know, whereas whereas right brain people are emotional, uh, those are visual, uh, intuitive, emotional, sympathetic, empathetic. And, and generally, we split ourselves between those two things. So when I was growing up, I uh, was probably described as intellectual. Not that I was particularly bright, but I couldn't sing, I couldn't dance, and I couldn't draw. <laughs> and you know, my my worst exam result was in design technology, which was the uh, least artistic of the art subjects. And even now, if we, you know, my family bring up the cricket that I made for my for my exam, my sister okay. will laugh uncontrollably at what I created because she plays the guitar, she does ballet, she oh, can draw. Yeah. You know, it was like yeah. it was like she got. So, so growing up, I, I, you know, she's the creative one, you're the brainy one. Uh, 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 and the, we put these labels, I, I think probably with, with all the stuff we know about parenting now, we do this less. But for me growing up, uh, that was what I believed about me. You know, I, if you can't sing, you can't dance, you can't do this, you're not creative. You didn't see yourself um, as creative. Many, yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. And I think there are many people who, uh, in, in later years, as I, as I learned to, 
to teach and, and share the message of Jesus. And I, I realized I could come up with some quite creative ways. And as people would say, I've never seen it like that before. I realized that I could put different angles on things and I realized I was more. But um, yeah, if we are all made in the image of God, who is ultimately creator, then surely we must be creative. There must be some creativity in us. But I feel that lots of us have limited creativity to the arts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is your um, what is your definition of creativity? Well, I think creativity is about the ability to bring about something new. Okay. So to create something is to bring about something new, um, which is a very kind of basic uh, level, if you like. It's this ability to bring something new into being. And, and I get that from Genesis 1. So God said, let there be light. And there was light. He brought something new into being. He created something new. So, and we all have the ability to create something new. You know, we we know that our words are powerful. We know it biblically. We know it psychologically. We know it sociologically. That our words create something new. Our words create environments. And if you, you know, we, we know that if you continually berate a child and continually put them down, that will create an environment in which that child lives. You have created an environment right. for that person. So we're all we're all creative. Um, I just think many of us have thought we're not creative because we've labeled it as artistic. Um, and I, I kind of come to the conclusion that that's nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so, so, so God creates Adam and he places him along with Eve, of course, eventually, but places them in the garden to cultivate it, to keep it, which means to guard it. Now, cultivation is like, I see cultivation as like releasing the latent potential of something. You know, there's a, it's always been about a partnership between heaven and earth. So God creates the plant, the plant kingdom, for example, but he looks to man to cultivate it, to prune, to, to multiply it, expand it, harvest. And so we see this like archetype, right? In Genesis of this, this, this partnership and this uh, cultivation. So would you say that each person has this sort of, in Christ has this Edenic, uh, dynamic, uh, operative in them, there is something that they are supposed to address and cultivate and develop in God's creation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to, to bring it down to a, um, a kind of simple level, I, my, I know there are lots of readings of Genesis one and two, but one of my readings is that, um, God creates this beautiful place, but I, I believe they were meant to extend Eden outwards. There was chaos outside the garden, right. yes. and they were meant to extend it outwards. They were meant to cultivate it. So so in the garden, it's wonderful, but but outside the garden, it's not wonderful. And I, I think that's a wonderful picture of, um, you know, not that everything's wonderful in our gardens, but if we know Jesus, we at least have Jesus. Sure. We at least have some measure of peace, grace, patience. You know, we, we want to grow it, and we may not have enough of it, and we may have all sorts of challenges, but but... There is certainly more chaos in those who don't know Jesus than there is in those who do know Jesus. And, and for me, um, for me, really, the, the journey of, of faith is a journey from ordering, from chaos into order. Okay, good. Um, I, and, and that really is, should first of all be going on in our own lives because we can't, and I'll, I'll talk about this a bit more later on, but, but unless we've brought order in our own lives, we can't actually bring order anywhere else. No. Not properly, <laughs> not fully, not to the extent it's meant You're to right. be. And I'll, I'll accept like um, Peter Peter said, "What I have, I give to you." Right? I mean, we have to give what we have, yeah, right? Which, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, it works. No matter what you've got, you're going to give it, right. whether that's good or bad. Yeah. And no matter what you say, but we'll we'll maybe get into that later. But um, 
yeah, for me, this idea of, of, of bringing order into the chaos, firstly, in my own life, through discipleship, through journeying with a, with a family, with people that love me and care for me, and I love them, and then taking that out wherever we are. And, and for me, um, it, it's very, uh, I, I don't, I don't give away lots of jobs in my church because I want people to be working where they are. Uh, mm. So we don't have massive church ministries. Uh, rather, our desire, as you as you said in my bio, you know, it's to restore people so they can restore others. So, and we're seeing people in our in our church now kind of taking up positions of authority in our in our local council, in our education system, in in other places. Yes. And for me, that's 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 where it's at. You know, I, I I've never been one for kind of let me give you seven jobs, you at the church four nights a week. Um, I'm kind of more like, hey, why don't you just come once or twice a week and go and do what you're meant to do and yeah. bring chaos, bring yeah. order into chaos, using your gift where you're meant to be. Yeah, um, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm part of a group of about about five kingdom guys. We do a lot of ideation and, and a little bit of prayer together now. But one of them is a local pastor, and he's, he came from California. He's in this area. He said something I thought was brilliant. He said... Our real concern about metrics should not be so much church metrics, but the metrics of the city. What is the church? Yes. How are we improving demographics or metrics in the city? How are we Beautiful. moving that needle? Yeah, I would I would agree entirely. We once had somebody come here, and he uh, he said, "I'm uh, I'm not into building a big church. I'm into building big people. Not that there's anything wrong with lots of people being in the church, but um, if all those people in that church are only very small people internally." I, I, I'm not sure it can have as big an impact as a smaller amount of people who are big internally. Uh, you can actually go and influence people. Yeah, really. We're talking about wisdom and creativity, and and the scripture says that you know wisdom is meant to be in the streets, you know, and it's meant to be yeah. in the city gates, and it's meant to be in the concourses, right? And so that's the marketplace of like influence, not just the marketplace of business. When I say marketplace, I mean a broader sense of the marketplace of ideas, the marketplace uh, of yeah education, et cetera. I love that you're putting the emphasis on that. Now, now you're saying that creativity is, is creativity some kind of a mysterious muse that descends upon us um, serendipitously, or is it, is it something that we can actually engage and stir up? Yeah. I mean, this idea, in fact, even the word, the word genius actually comes from, from Romans times. So around 600 BC, Greeks believed in these muse spirits that would come and kind of rest on you and if it happened to be your day, the spirit would rest on you and it would go go yeah. well. And, um, you know, 600 years later, the Romans create this idea of genius. Right. Uh, little kind of house elves who would aid you in your <laughs> labors. And, and if the house elf took favor on you and you had an idea, the genius had alighted on you. And I think we've kind of carried that forward 2,000 years um, and kind of decided that creativity is this thing that kind of alights us on some people and it's it kind of floats around somehow on the spiritual wavelengths and suddenly deposits itself on something yeah um for me creativity is not a feeling or a mood uh, it's not an inspiration that suddenly comes upon you it doesn't come and go as its own free will if creativity as i believe it is is the very heart of god and if that god as i believe he does lose on the inside of you then it's there all the time okay uh, so that this idea as well that we can you know we say i'm not inspired well, actually, that's a nonsense, isn't it? Because to inspire means to be breathed into. Mm. So, so to say I'm not inspired is denying the fact that you have been breathed into by the very Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. You may well not be listening very well to the right. inspiration that's in you. That may well be the problem. But to suggest there is no inspiration going on is, I think, not quite right. Uh, which, again, is, you know, I've said all these things. I, I <laughs> sat there going, what am I going to say on Sunday? I have no idea. 
Um, and sometimes you've got the answer, well, sit down and listen, and you might hear something. So, so you, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, you're saying we need to be intentional about about engaging that and stirring it up. I think you quoted 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Yeah. I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you. God has not given us a spirit of timidity or cowardice, but of power, love, and discipline or a sound mind. So we can kindle this. We can kindle the gifts of God within us. We The, the in-breathing that you're talking yeah. about that's deposited yeah. in us, we can release it intentionally and engage it. Yeah, I believe so. I, I believe that if, it, it, like I say, go back, if the creative nature of God is within me, it must be possible for me to tap into that creative nature of God um, oh. and to stir it up as, 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 um, as the scripture talks about, as Paul talks about to Timothy. And for me, one of the ways of stirring up is, is the use of, of, of heavenly languages, um, uh, but worship as well. But, but just the ability to sit down and listen. You know, we are, we live in ridiculously busy times. Uh, most of us yeah. do not have good phone discipline. We do not have good screen discipline. Nope. <laughs> uh, you know, we are not able to resist the beep. Uh, we've not understood that all the software on that thing uh, is based on gambling software that is meant to get you to come back. Um, and so most of us in this age struggle hugely to just sit and listen. Really? Um, and just make time out to actually go, God, what are you saying? And I, I believe that if we actually make that time out, that he wants to speak to us. Mm. God is not silent. You know, even, you know, again, going back to Genesis 1 in the beginning, you know, he was... It was God that went looking for Adam when Adam had made a mess. You know, it was God that went, where are you? I want to talk. I want to be with you. I want to commune. I want to relate. So so for me, uh, the issue is not that God is silent and God does not want to intervene. Our, our ability to hear him is probably the bigger issue. Absolutely. I mean, we even see this thing in Genesis, uh, the Lord walking with Adam in the cool of the day. And, you know, we can't like prove it dogmatically, but I believe that this was something of a routine that would happen where Christ would come and walk with Adam. They would converse. There was probably mentoring and coaching and discipleship going on. Here's how you're going to cultivate the garden. Here's how you're going, you know, an equipping process. But we've... um, We've we've lost that cool of the day dynamic, haven't we? With our uh, incessant uh, cocaine addicted, uh, digital pixel, you know, we're addicted. It's 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 yeah. sad and it's yeah. it's, it's 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 maddening at we once. Yeah, and it's um, even the most disciplined of us find it difficult. Um, you know, and I've researched this stuff. I, I, I a couple of years ago get, probably gave a two hour kind of talk on the perils of tech really and its addiction and the way it damages us and all that. And I, I think it's, um, it's a lot more out there, but you know, it's still, and the irony is of course, is that we are using this very same tech to have this conversation. So the irony is not lost on me. Uh, well, I'm, I'm doing that. Yeah. But. I mean, to use it as an asset and not a liability, right? That's the, that's the key. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How can we use it to leverage, to connect, to, to multiply our efforts, but, at the same time, and it's a mixed bag. I, 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 with me, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. I know because I'm a connoisseur of information. I have an addiction to information. You know, I'm constantly. I, I can't go through a day without a voluminous amount of information coming into my brain. You know, and, and that creates a problem with with um, whatever news or yeah. info. You know, so it does take a real discipline. I think it's key to be creative. We don't want to shut down our creativity. So you're saying we need to take time to worship. And you mentioned heavenly prayer languages. And um, 
you know, let's just be real. There's going to be people listening who have something of a cognitive bias against <laughs> heavenly prayer languages okay. that, that they maybe need need to come out of, you know. Um, but but yeah, what is this dynamic of this heavenly prayer language? I personally know it to be very powerful. Uh, what what do you say about that? Well, I, I think, and I, I recognize not, like you say, not everybody will be on the same page, but that's that's okay. I, I've never been bothered about trying to prove that I'm right. Um, because I don't think you'll win that argument anyway. Um, but I, I, I'm more coming from what, what do I see and what resonates and what's what's really helpful. And for me, the ability to connect spirit to spirit in a way that I am in control of, and but a way that speaks in a spiritual language to heaven, it, it doesn't. I know if I, if I spend 10, 15 minutes just walking up and down my room, just praying in those heavenly languages that God has given me as a, as a gift, um, it does something to me. I... I, I feel better and there have actually been you know uh, there, there was in england a, a study um that showed that people who spoke in heavenly languages had better mental health um and a couple of other advantages as well and they actually did some brain scans on people who were doing this and uh, and found that the language center of the brain shut down at that time so when people were speaking heavenly languages the language center of the brain shut down um and it was it so, so the, although they were speaking words, the usual part of the brain that would be used to speak words was not active, um, and it was actually coming from a, a spirit place. So, I I find it hugely helpful. I I find that in doing that, I'm able to focus on God, hear Him a bit more clearly, listen to what He's saying to me. I find thoughts come to me that are kind of like, where did that come from? And it'll be an instruction or a thought to do something. And nearly most of the time, when I act on that, something good comes out of it. And I find if I don't do that, it doesn't happen. Interesting. So so for me, experientially, it's helped me. I've seen ideas, thoughts come out of those times that have helped me and other people move forward into greater depths of freedom and life. Um, and I can't deny that as a as a reality. So. Yeah, I mean, I think of, uh, yeah, Paul's writing to the Church of Corinth, you know, 1 Corinthians, the first letter, which is probably the most charismatic of the New Testament letters, I suppose. But he says right there mm. in the first chapter that I, I don't want you to come short in any gift. You're enriched in every way in knowledge yeah. and speech. I don't want you to come short in any gift until the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, that immediately tells me that this is meant to be something until the second coming of Christ, the revelation of Christ, you know, not just reserved for the early primitive church or when the Bible was concluded or the last apostle died or something like this. So there, it, many people are born again into a theological creed, which has a cognitive bias against these things. And there's nothing yeah. wrong within the process of, of growing in Christ that you come to realize that this is true for now. And you, you don't need to kind of be entombed. That's a, that's a bad word, but <laughs> you don't need to be, you know, remain enmeshed in a limited half-spectrum theological system, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, the church I was raised in, um, it didn't believe in any of the gifts. Uh, I, I was raised to believe that they all died out with the Acts of the Apostles and those whole chunks of Scripture in, in 1 and 2 Corinthians were kind of, you know, they were, I don't know who they were meant to be written for, because uh, by the time he'd written them, apparently they'd all gone. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, and it was only when I, <laughs> I don't know how that works, but when I uh, when I came to meet uh, to Paul to Christian Life Church, and, and uh, he uh, he birthed the church that Faye and I now lead, and we're still still very close to him. He's, he's a spiritual dad to us and very dear to us, and he introduced us to this whole idea. And um, 
yeah, I, I suppose uh, my whole Christian life has been about growth, which I think it is meant to be about. Uh, we are meant to grow. We're meant to develop a wider perspective, a greater perspective. Yeah, sure. We're meant to question things and challenge things. And, you know, I, I can give you a whole list of things that I once believed were absolutely fa- fundamental, but I am now going, hmm, not so sure. Yeah, really, me too. <laughs> um, but I think, that, I think that's what life's meant to be about. I think if we're not doing that, there's a bit of a problem because we're meant to grow. You know, uh, Paul talks about moving on from spiritual milk to actually, you know, solid food. There's meant to be a growth. There's meant to be a challenge. And I, I was very blessed because, you know, ever since I've, I've been a part of Christian Life Church, I've been a part of a Christian culture has been encouraged to ask questions mm. and to go, well, what about this and what about that? And it's never been dogmatic. It's never been kind of, um, yeah, there's always been an opportunity to just ask and a willingness to explore. Sure. Uh, which I think is what it must have been like being with Jesus. Uh, I mean, it must have scared the disciples to death at times. You know, this man is like challenging convention after convention after convention after convention. I mean, yeah. what they told the mums when they went home, I have no idea. You know, we've just been to Caesarea Philippi, mum, where, you know, where they kind of sacrifice all the animals and do all sorts. And, you know, Jesus sat with this woman today who was a Samaritan. And I mean, I, what they told the friends, I have no idea because he was just, he was broadening their minds in incredible ways that we, you know, if you try and even think of a cultural uh, comparison, uh, it, it's difficult, difficult to yeah. find one that blows your mind that far. Really? Yeah, you know? for sure. So, yeah. So, yeah. He's revolutionary. He's radical. <clears throat> and, and the word radical means, uh, I believe from the Latin, is, is root, you know? To get back to the root, yeah. radical is not like some wild frenzied, you know, something, but it's to get back to the root. And so to become radical means pristine Christianity, right? Yeah. Before it yeah. got all throughout the centuries and aggregation of yeah. pagan ideas and all kinds of theological convolutions and controversy and um, to get back. And, you know, I... I, I believe it's simple. I say if you open the book and read it and just get on your knees, if you will, or walk about and pace, whatever you want to do, but ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate to you and bring to your understanding what he inspired. I think it's kind of simple. You know, the Bereans were more noble minded, it says, and they would search the scriptures to see if these things were so. And um mm. wow. So can we, if we're using our heavenly prayer language, can we pray for understanding? Can we ask the Lord, is there any mysteries you want to reveal to me or suggestions or solutions or ideas that can sort of come up into our consciousness uh, in a prefrontal cortex kind of a way? Can that happen? Can the Holy Spirit sort of from our belly, if you will, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water? Can he, can he bring to us cognitive ideas and answers steps to take horizons to pursue what do you think yeah i mean let me answer that by a, by a scripture and a story um you know matthew 13 10 to 11 the disciples came to me and said why do you speak to them in parables he answered and said to them because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it's not being given um so 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 mysteries are unlocked to those who are disciples first of all and, and disciples are those that were actually training to be like Jesus. Mm. Disciples are not churchgoers, mm-hmm. although you probably need to be a churchgoer to be a disciple, but they're not one and the same. You know, For me, a disciple is somebody who is in uh, an accountable relationship where they are willing to be disciplined 
because that's what it means to be a disciple. It means to be disciplined in that sense. Yeah. Um, so first of all, it's for disciples. And I know that's massively out of fashion now when we mentor everybody. Um, but actually, you know, in my own life, I've needed somebody to tell me where I'm going wrong. And I've needed somebody to point it out to me. Um, of course, in love and grace and, and in mercy and somebody who loves me. And I know he's doing it for the best of me. I've been very blessed to have that in Paul. Mm. Um, so that's the first thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I think in terms of a story, I used to work, um, a number of years ago before I, I became a full-time pastor, I used to work in an IT department of a, uh, a national bank mm-hmm. and, uh, I was in, um, software design. And so uh, I wasn't the kind of techie guy writing the code, but I was designing what it would look like and, and, and feel like when a user interacted with the screen. Okay. And, uh, we, we looked after the software, we launched it out to these 10 centers across the UK. Uh, about 4,000 users. And um, uh, and then on the installation morning, the whole thing went down. So we had, there was a team of about eight to 10 of us in this head office and 4,000 people around the country sat twiddling their thumbs. Mm. And you can imagine that after a few hours, you start to get higher and higher up people getting angrier and angrier as to why <laughs> these people have been paid to do nothing. And um, so not, not, not the most fun environment to be in. And I remember at that moment, and I was only, I was only, 20 yards, something like that, mid-20s. Okay. Uh, I remember going, God, if you have anything to say about this, please just tell me what to do. And immediately I had an idea. And I said, maybe we should just try this. Uh, and we tried it, and, and, and it was the answer to fix the problem. Wow. Uh, and and I, I never, ever forget that moment that just right there, you know, and, and we go, well, God's not right interested in it. Well, no, he is interested in it. He is interested in everything. He's interested in all that goes on. You know, he's interested in the life of a, a business systems analyst, which is what I was, yes. was called, uh, you know, trying to get this IT system up and running. This is and the kingdom just, out just there, a re- right? A really, yeah. yeah, yeah. A really recent example of when I, when I preached this stuff and we, we prayed for kind of a, a release of some of this stuff on people in our congregation. One guy's a, a solicitor. And again, you know, I, I mean, just going back to the creative thing, you know, we've, we've done a disservice, haven't we? If I told you I knew a creative solicitor or a creative accountant, you would think he was a bit dodgy. <laughs> in England anyway, if he's a creative accountant, it's like, oh, he's bending the rules there. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? We, we've kind of we've made creativity in certain spheres a negative thing. But, I, I, which is, how, how does he come to believe that he's prophetic then? If creativity is negative, it's a strange thing. But anyway, this solicitor friend of mine in the congregation, he's just... Uh, he was in this situation. Let me let me try and get right where um, the company he worked for uh, had a had a massive contract, hundreds of millions with a, with another company, and this big company pulled out. Uh, just said, right, that's it. It's not happening anymore. And um, he was trying to manage this process of twenty odd subcontractors beneath him, managing all them. And um, after that meeting, he went into work on Monday morning. And he texts me in the afternoon and said, Adam. I have got foresight like never before. I am seeing in my spirit the motivations and hearts of people that have been revealed to me. And I know exactly how to respond to them to look after all these people. I, I, that's incredible to mm, me. Yeah, This is a solicitor. Mm. And the mysteries of what's going on, suddenly he's got insight mm-hmm. into what, what this person really wants. Not what this person's saying in their email, but what they really want. And he's knowing how to cut that off before it happens because it's going to cause a detriment to lots of other people he's trying to look after. Oh, okay. And so so for me, those two stories, and I could tell you some more, but those two stories kind of tell me, no, God is really interested in doing that. So Absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, another really, you know, I was out praying. One more. I was out praying. 
uh, our, our indoor play centre business, it's got to make COVID secure and it's, it's, it's a nightmare. There's a massive risk assessment that goes with it. I'm not a fan of things like that. Uh, but I was walking my dog one day, just praying, and I felt God saying to me, Adam, boom, he gave me three or four different things, all solutions to how I could overcome these hurdles to reopen my business. Wow. That were incredibly creative, but really practical. And they this worked. is what you'll do with a baby toys. This is how, yeah, and they work. They work. And we opened on Monday. It's working really smoothly. They've all worked. See? And so for me, I'm learning to live in that sphere that if I just take some time to walk the dog and take my earphones out and listen, yes, you might have some answers from them. Put the pixels yeah. down and tune into the prophetic, right? We got the wrong P yes, going too much, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, really. I mean, really. And, and really pursuing spiritual gifts, you know, Paul admonishes us in 1 Corinthians to especially pursue prophecy. But there are other gifts listed. 1 Corinthians 12 is a great list. There's yeah. nine listed there. I've recently been praying. I've been asking the Lord, give me words of knowledge. Give me words of wisdom. Yeah. Give me the distinguishing you. of spirits, you know, give me miracles and faith and yeah. tongues and, and interpretation. And, and, and you know what? I think, I think recently, this is just something over the past several weeks, I've noticed in conversations with people, there seems to be a little bit more voltage and, and insight, you know, and, and, and I, and I, and I, yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's just, we're all, it's for all. It's for all, and we're just encouraging you to pursue it, pray over it, earnestly desire it. Can I motivate you to go to jesusmart.com slash supercreativity for the show notes page for this episode, resources, links. You can check out Adam and his beautiful wife, Faye. You can see links to their ministry, links to other resourcing on this theme. We'll continue with part two of this conversation next week. Would you share this with one or two of your friends? That's the best way to share information. Do it personally. Would you just call it out to them? Let them know how they can find this podcast, how they can uh, locate this specific episode with Adam Carver, episode 153. Manifoldministries.com. Encourage you to go there as always. The podcast is everywhere. It's on your favorite listening app to learn more about the podcast, go to jesussmart.com. The show notes page again for this episode, jesussmart.com slash supercreativity. Jesus is brilliant. He's ultimate creativity. As we walk with him and are coached by him, we are going to catch this brilliance. We are going to see the creativity that he's placed within us to surface and be expressed in a unique way. He knows how it all works best. He can put it all together. We'll see you next week, episode two, with Adam Carver.